Awesome Your Awesome Podcast, episode number 108. Today on the show, we have got Chris M. Lyon here with us. Chris is an, is an intuitive, personal, and executive coach, board-certified hypnotist, certified in applied neuroscience and brain health. She is also a relationship author and facilitator. Chris has been helping clients get results with relationships, healing, and empowerment for more than two decades. Her specialties, and I cannot wait to get into this one, highly sensitive people and those recovering from complex trauma. Wow, that was a mouthful. Chris, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. So give us the backstory. How did you, I mean, you've been doing this for more than two decades, but mm-hmm. how did you get into this line of work? Was it in, you know, share as much or as little as you'd like, but was it through your own personal trauma that kind of led you down this path to want to help others with healing? Give us some of those. Um, well, as, as you're familiar with that kind of path, I mean, it seems, you know, you know, a lot of that in your work. And that is what it was. Um, you know, I wasn't like members of my family. Uh, I was actually um, born being traumatized. Uh, my mother had to take an, an amphetamine called Black Beauties uh, so she wouldn't miscarry again. I was the first child that she had. And so I was born ad- addicted and withdrawing. Um, my parents didn't know anything about withdrawal. They didn't understand it. Um, my mother didn't take it very well when I was withdrawing. She didn't get it. I think she took it personally. Um, and things came from that point on. It was, it was a pretty difficult childhood. Um, it was um, negligent, um, violent, um, very strange. It put me in a, a big parenting uh, position, uh, you know, and, and being more of an adult. Uh, probably I've been being doing adult stuff since I was probably four trying to lead um, so yeah, it was a lot of pressure, um, a lot of trauma and it was just really rough. And I, I went through this as what's called a highly sensitive person. So that was interesting. And then I found out in the late nineties, uh, about what a highly sensitive person was by a brilliant book, re- research and written by Dr. Elaine Aaron. And I just felt like, wow, I am realizing now who I really am. And this is amazing. Um, and I just went from there and I had a huge loss uh, and started my practice from that place where I had the tremendous loss. My big loss was a sudden loss of my mother who really wasn't apparent to me. Uh, but we were very connected in a number of ways. We we're very close, but we we're also connected from trauma and heartbreak and grief and all the things. Uh, that was really hard for me because it really messed with my identity. And I thought I need to be learning and growing. So I went from the corporate field to the more holistic field. And I started working with clients. I opened up my practice um, after I had some training, con- continued getting training. And uh, I had a lot of experience over the years that was amazing for me. Uh, I learned from my clients uh, and I learned how to help get them get results. And it was just beautiful. So from my trauma and from my high sensitivity came the work that I do. And yeah, that's, that's exactly how it went. Mm, wow. I love that, Chris. And let me start by saying, I just commend you because, you know, for being able to use your own kind of recovery 
now aiding others to heal, right? So you're bringing your own personal experience, but so many people, like I have conversations about negligence and, you know, people not having their emotions tended to all the time on the podcast with, you know, uh, people like yourself, but it just so many times that negligence forces people to close off, right? Like you didn't have your needs met, but that's so amazing that you're still able to love and put that out there in the world and help others, uh, you know, with their negligence. Well, thank you. Um, I think for some of us, it's kind of a choice wondering which way you're going to go, you know, and there's a lot of thinking and, and deliberating there. Like, what do I do with this? Right. And with my childhood, it's interesting because my first therapist and I didn't go into therapy until later. And I've only had a few therapists. My first one listened to me for a few appointments and she said, you know, I've been practicing for 27 years. She said, you have the worst childhood I've ever heard of. And I was like, oh, I never put it in perspective. <laughs> like, I didn't know what I was supposed to do with that. And then I learned from the ACE scores, which is Adverse Childhood Experiences. And there were several of those tests done through the country that I have like, I'm in the top 0.3% of worst childhoods, uh, you know, considering my ACE score. So a lot of people think, you know, hey, they wonder if I'm highly sensitive. They don't think my trauma was, you know, enough or any of that. But I think I've had enough to understand where, at least where a lot of people are coming from. Because I don't like to compare because trauma does affect everyone differently. Uh, it affects mm -hmm. your nervous system differently and your memories and all the things. So I, I like to think that I have had enough to understand how serious it is and how much it affects people. And it's become this really strong purpose, I think, because I was limited to how much I could help people as a child. And I'm more empowered because it's a big part of my purpose to help people. But also, I'm healing from what I'm learning. And I'm in my own recovery process, in my nervous system recovery, my trauma recovery, and also managing my life as a highly sensitive person. I, I got so much from that. And I realized so many brilliant, powerful, highly sensitive people are just beat down and they're so overwhelmed. They feel so badly about themselves because of this, what the high sensitivity causes them to feel and think beliefs. And I just thought, nah, I have to help turn that around. And I do it at the same time. So it's kind of like, you know, I help them while they're really helping me too. Mm, oh, I love that. That is so amazing. And, you know, again, I just am considering and not to be comparing anyone's drama to anyone else's, like you said, but the fact that yours was extreme, that I have to commend you again for being able to use that in such a powerful way, right? Using that trauma to just do this amazing work you're now doing. So just amazing, amazing. I love that. It's just, and again, that uh, idea that you really are in touch with, you know, on some level, what people are going through as far as experiencing trauma, because you have that firsthand experience, which I'm sure, um, you know, offers comfort and solace and a level of connectivity with the people you work with. It does. Um, sometimes not as much because <clears throat> they don't think I've been through much trauma a lot of times. They just assume that I don't, that I haven't, um, just maybe because how I present. And um, I don't unpack it all for them. I don't, you know, kind of 
drag it out, but I try to let them know that I do understand. And I think, you know, with trauma or, or things like grief, I've always thought that if it's going to be so difficult or so painful and take out, you know, be, leave such a mark, right? Then why not get everything you can get from it? Why not get all of the learning and the growing and the purpose and all the things out of it to make somehow you're not making it worth it, but what you're doing is you're getting whatever goodness you can get out of it and bringing it with you, which is very powerful. At the same time, it's powerful that you're leaving behind what you no longer need. And that's amazing. And I've learned that the same courage to leave the things behind even parts of yourself that you no longer need, right? Even that, that no longer serve you. The courage it takes to leave those behind is the same courage that it that that helps you rise up like a phoenix. So it's like, why not get everything you can get out of it if you're going to suffer and it's going to be so difficult and it's going to be awful and there's times you don't have choices, you know, especially as a child, get everything you can get out of it. So that's really what I'm very much about is like, let me see how I can leverage this to make th- you know things a better the world a better place to make to help people make their quality of their lives better and they're really what i've seen when that happens they're better for their loved ones they're better for the rest of the world so to me it's you know that's a big win mm, oh i love that that is so beautifully put that was really amazing um Okay. So now talk to us. We just kind of touched on this. I have so many questions for you, but you know, talk to us about, uh, cause I've heard different things. I'm a little confused about this at times. Cause you know, I think a lot of times when we hear highly sensitive, I think people assume that we're talking about our own sensitivities, but it seems like highly sensitive can also mean you are highly sensitive to the emotions and feelings of others. Yes, it can, Sue. That's a good, that's a good um, point. And thank you for all your kind words too. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it, it, you can be. And, and part of that is actually the fact that we, um, there's some research that shows that our mirror neurons are more active uh, than people who aren't the highly sensitive or the clinical term uh, sensory processing sensitivity, uh, they're more active. So it, it's really not a, a joke or a light thing when we say we can really feel things from other people and animals. Um, a lot of people do that and it, it can be overwhelming, but it can also be devastating. So that's what I mean. That's part of learning to manage your life as a highly sensitive person. Yes, you have an, um, a rich internal world. You, as a highly sensitive person, you feel things and process things more deeply. But yes, you're right. You can really kind of tune in to other people and, and other things that are going on in, in animals and all kinds of things that you can really feel some of those things. And everyone's different. Every highly sensitive person is completely unique. But that is part of the gig for many of us, 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know there, we're going to take a deep dive into this, but a couple of questions off the top now. So a highly sensitive person, so are they, um, so I, I would imagine that it's, it can help you and hinder you. You are correct. You nailed it. You totally nailed it. It really depends on which one of those sides you want to camp out on. Mm-hmm. Right. Which one of those do you want to focus on? 
because whichever part of that you want to focus on, how it hurts you and how it's awful and how you're at a disadvantage or how maybe something's wrong with you or any of that, then that will be more of your reality. If you do focus on, wow, um, uh, being a highly sensitive person, I'm resilient because highly sensitive people are. If you focus on that and focus on your strengths, despite how the world looks at you in that way or how the world treats you or how overwhelmed you can get or how much rumination you go into or how much you take things personally. But if you, if you focus on the benefits, the advantages of it, the gifts of it, and again, it's about managing your life as a highly sensitive person. How do you want to do it? Um, if you focus on managing your life as a highly sensitive person and you focus on the good stuff, the benefits, advantages, gifts, then that will be more of your reality. Mm-hmm. I've been both places and I'd rather go that way. 100%. Mm-hmm. And now give us some, uh, like a practical tip here. If you are a highly sensitive person and you get triggered and you just are about to like have a breakdown because someone's just said something so hurtful and it just, you know, cuts to the yes. core of you. <clears throat> yes. How do we kind of, you know, wind out of that? This is like, I think, like the best question ever for HSPs. So thank you for asking it because I've never heard anyone ask it. So this is like huge. There is an answer to it. And I love the answer. Um, Highly sensitive people, as I mentioned, are internally focused. And this means that, and I don't mean this in a negative, mean way. They're not so much selfish people, but they're really self-centered because they make a lot of things about them, okay? I'm the one responsible for fixing this. I'm the one that could have made it better. Um, They're saying this to me, they must hate me, they must think I'm horrible, you know, they must not like me, they're trying to hurt me, they're all these things. It's easy for us to internalize those things, okay? So my challenge, if you want to change this up and not be devastated, hurt, overwhelmed, and all this from someone saying something to you, because it really can get deeply to an HSP. What you want to do is you want to, first of all, <clears throat> you want to validate yourself. You want to say, wow, that, that hurt. You know, that, well, that felt awful. And you know, it, it triggered some things even. And you can even say triggered some things from the past. Um, it makes you remember, it reminds me of this when this was a real big hurt and it's a, it seems like the same thing and it really hurts or it's upsetting or it makes me angry totally feel it and validate it. Okay. But don't stop there because a lot of them stop there and then they end up in victim mode. These powerful people end in in victim mode, right? So you don't stop there. You go the extra level. You go an extra step. You go externally. You step outside yourself and you try to understand why would they have said this? What is their purpose? Where are they coming from? I even tell people to do this when they're going through a divorce. So they get, so they don't get as, you know, they don't, they don't um, get as shorted or um, they don't get run over to understand where the other side's coming from. So people have done this. I've done this with clients and they literally go outside themselves and they think, they're like, oh, well, he said these horrible things to me. I work with him. And you know what? He, he's going through a horrible breakup of his family and he can't see his kids and he's not happy right now. He's a miserable human being. Oh, it's not about me. It's, he's the one that's suffering. It's not me. And so then we don't need to carry that. And we don't need to get overwhelmed. And we don't need to be in victim mode. 
we realize it's not about us. So that's the number one thing, most helpful thing I've told HSPs. It's probably not about you. And I'm telling you, for the most of the time we have talked through things, we figure out or they figure out that it wasn't about them. So that's so important to get out of just the external part of it is to go, the internal part of it, it's to go external and try to figure out where they're coming from. It's usually about them. Mm -hmm. I love that. That was awesome. Practical guidance there. And now talk to us. You had mentioned something about the two different types of highly sensitive people or something along those lines that you wanted to share. Well, okay. There's highly sensitive people. There's all kinds, right? There's, and there are ones who are more affected by their uh, physical environment, right? And there's ones who are affected more um, emotionally, okay, or mentally. Okay. And so we're all different. We all have like a mix of that. And the ones who are affected more physically are more affected by their environment. Now, I'm affected by my environment, um, you know, loud bangs or really strong scents or something, but I, I can handle uh, some of those things. I can handle that better than people who are highly sensitive people who are more affected physically. Um, so we all have that difference. We, we are some of each, but we have that high sensitivity. It's a central nervous system difference. All of us that are highly sensitive have that central nervous system difference. It is a genetic trait for all of us. Um, and it's, there's just, you know, we're all completely different. I've never met one who didn't have, um, complex trauma from developmental stages and or relationships uh, subsequent to childhood. Uh, and I believe, I really do believe this, that in general, uh, HSPs, highly sensitive people, experience trauma differently than non-HSPs because if our nervous system's different and we feel and process more deeply, why wouldn't trauma affect many of us more deeply? So that's what I believe. I've not seen much research about it, but it makes sense to me. And I think it, it, different types of trauma affects all of us differently for HSPs. But yes, there are ones who are more physically affected and ones who are more mentally affected. Um, but I can tell you this, boy, we used to think that one out of every five people were a highly sensitive person. Not anymore. A few years ago, there was more research done showing that it could be almost up to 30%. That means like one out of every three or four people. So, you know, I'm glad to talk about it. Uh, I'm happy to do that because if you're not a highly sensitive person, you love someone who is, most likely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I love that there's a, a bigger conversation just happening in general and kind of the mental health space. It's not so taboo or, you know, there isn't the stigma that you was there even five or 10 years ago, right? So how are you finding that people are more receptive now to treatment or more open just in their own beyond, you know, cause you'd back in the day go to therapy and no one really knew, right. Or, you know, in many cases, but now it's like, it's gotta be helping the healing process to be able to be open with your kind of your world to share like, Hey, I'm in recovery or I'm going, you know, to therapy. Yes. Yes. Um, more therapists know about highly sensitive people and more therapists know about complex trauma. But these are still new. 
So, excuse me, there are a lot of therapists who haven't been educated in this. And I've actually had clients that have told me, well, you know, my therapist told me, I didn't know what I was talking about. There's no such thing as a highly sensitive person. I didn't know what I was talking about. I'm thinking that clinician probably wasn't the best fit for my client. That's up to them. However, I had another client say, yeah, my therapist said, yeah, we studied this. Uh, They were, you know, more newly a clinician. We studied this and uh, I know about this. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. I think you are. It's those people, the therapists and coaches who are HSP aware that highly sensitive people should be working with. The ones who don't understand it um, can show some bias because, you know, we're all raised as, most of us are raised as non-highly sensitive people. If we're dealing with a therapist that only believes in non-highly sensitive people and we're highly sensitive people, I would think that's probably not our best chance of, of getting the um, healing, learning, and growing we're supposed to be getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard a lot of people have problems with it. Then there are therapists who aren't trauma. Um, they aren't trauma aware. They aren't trauma informed. And they really haven't gotten into that as far as the complex trauma is concerned. That could be an issue as well. But then there's some great therapists and coaches out there who are trauma informed. They're HSP aware. And they're amazing to work with, with the healing process for an HSP. So I would say just be careful who you're working with. And number one, rule number one, high sensitivity is, uh, is not pathology. It is not a mental illness or a mental disorder or a mental problem. It is not. It's just a difference of the nervous system. And there are a lot of benefits to it. So why not uh, find those benefits to it and work on you know, the rumination and work on managing the overwhelm and work on that, you know, inner focus and, and being so deeply hurt. And don't watch the news as much if you're being so affected. Control, have some control over that. There's mindfulness work to do. There's nervous system regulation you can do that can be amazing, change my life. But I only learned about that a few years ago. So a lot of this is relatively new. It's super important to work with people who understand it. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the benefits to being highly sensitive? Great question. Well, again, everyone's different, right? But many highly sensitive people are incredibly creative in different fields. Some of them are just extraordinarily intuitive as well. Um, I do a lot of intuitive work. I'll get on a consult with someone, never spoke with them before, right? And I'll be talking with them. And all of a sudden, I'll know things about their childhood just by listening closely, listening very closely. And I'll know things about them they don't realize within 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I'll ask them if I can share some of what I'm kind of picking up. When they say yes, when they tell me it's okay, I'd share it with them. And they're like, spot on, wow. Or, oh, wow, I didn't realize that, but yeah. So some of us are super intuitive. There's that high level of empathy that a lot of HSPs have. And then there are, oh my goodness, there's, there's just so many. Sometimes we have this ability to hyper-focus. We can hyper-focus on something that we just really feel strongly about, right? Just hyper-focus. Um, there's just, there, there are just a number of things that that we can do. The The an understanding of other people, um, being able to sense the um, nuances that, and, or changes in their environment. Um, 
you know, when we, like, there is an example you use when you walk into an event, right? And do you notice, what do you notice more? The flower arrangement on the, in the centerpiece, right? Or these two people are mad at each other. And a lot of HSPs are like, well, I pick up those vibes. So we're able to notice these changes, these nuances, these changes in people and energy. So yeah, and there's others, there are others, but it's just, there are gifts that we can use that are very empowering and they can help, we can help with other people with these gifts. We can help our own healing process and we can help in with, we can use it in with a lot of the purpose that we choose in life. Mm, Oh, I love that. Now, Chris, tell me for somebody, what about people who are not necessarily highly sensitive or may not realize they are if they are, but are, you know, have a loved one who's highly sensitive. What's some guidance there to kind of deal, you know, do a better job with that loved one who's highly sensitive, or maybe you haven't been super dialed into that? Yeah. I love your questions. That's such a great question. Again, I know I'm repeating myself, but it's so good. Thank you. Um, this is huge. These, these are so relatable. And people don't ask this enough. And they don't talk about it enough. You know, I hear a lot of HSPs saying, um, yeah, my, uh, you know, my partner, my spouse, they're, they don't understand. And they don't get me. And see, they get hurt about it. They take it personally. They think, oh, they, they don't. They don't understand me. They don't get me. They don't care. They don't know. And they don't, don't go there. Just sit down and share something with them every once in a while. Don't make them read a book unless they want to. It doesn't work that way. Um, and never expect anyone to understand anyone completely. They're probably not going to hundred percent get it, but at least they can understand it enough and respect it. Right. And understand that HSPs need more time to themselves to recharge and process. There's a lot of spouses that can understand that. They can also understand that somebody can be triggered by trauma or someone can take something personally. You can talk together about how you can work together on it. It's A lot of these things isn't the non-HSP's issue. It's the HSP's problem to work on it. But the non-HSP can understand what the HSP may need from them. Like, you can help me in this way. or it really helps to just listen, or you can just talk with me about it. So there's ways that people can understand. And I've noticed that there's been spouses that are like, well, I want to learn more about it. Can you tell me more about it? Because I want to understand them. Love those people. We want more of them. And I'll explain it, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll send them to some resources and I'll help them understand more because they've got somebody that's an awesome human being and they're benefiting from the fact they're, they're an HSP. So it's really how really how you see it. Uh, But the highly sensitive person, you can't expect your spouse to be responsible for it. You can't expect them to understand completely all of it. But it is important to learn more and talk more about it. Uh, And if the spouse is open to at least listening, then they can listen. They can listen to their spouse explain how they work and how they function. What helps with that is the better the HSP knows about how they function, the better off both of them are. Because if the HSP doesn't know, and they're just like, you just hurt my feelings. You just say these, this horrible. That doesn't help anyone. But, you know, my, my father used to say this to me, and you say it too, and it sounds so hurtful. Is there another way that you can talk to me about this without saying this? Because it was the same thing, so it triggers me. I know that's my stuff, but I'd really appreciate you helping me out with it. Instead of coming as a victim, like, you keep doing this to me. You keep So 
it really takes some conversations. And I look at that as just two people getting to know each other better and understand each other better so they can work together better in the relationship. And I think the HSP needs to be understanding the non-HSP more too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is awesome. Now, so let me ask you, are people born highly sensitive or can a, a like a really traumatic event trigger this because it's so just, you know, forces you to feel so deeply? Yeah, that's a great question. And I, you're kind of right on both counts. Um, they're born with it. And then what happens is if they have some early trauma, they've got some complex trauma, so it's repeated trauma that affects the nervous system adversely, that affects the quality of life in a, a negative way, then their, their sensitivity, they're going to be really, really highly sensitive to that. So they're already highly sensitive. Like I was saying, I was already born highly sensitive. Then I was born a, a, addicted and withdrawing. Then all the things happened, you know, between my parents and marriages and strangers and people and things. And it was just crazy. And I think it affected me a lot more than it did the non-highly sensitive members of my family. Um, but yeah, they, they, when they experience trauma, they may be more sensitive to it. I, I think that makes sense. And I'm not saying that as a researcher or clinician, it just makes sense in general that it would be that way. I think everyone's affected by trauma, of course. But I think that really the high sensitivity is felt when that trauma, really felt at high levels when that trauma is experienced uh, or triggered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now as a highly sensitive person, is it common to feel like you're alone? It almost feels at times like, okay, no one else gets this or is feeling this on this level, right? You're surrounded by a bunch of insensitive people. <laughs> yeah, for better. I mean, that's what it is, right? <laughs> well, not highly sensitive, I guess, but you're right. right. Not, not highly sensitive. And it feels like they're all insensitive, right? Right. It's crazy. Yes. I think all of us feel that way at one point or another, or maybe many, many times or chronically. Um, it's really common for someone to feel like they're very alone. And then when you jump to comparisons, like, well, other people don't take this wrong. Other people aren't hurting from this. Other people don't suffer like I do like this. What's wrong with me? Why can't I be like them? You don't want to be like them. You want to understand there's many, many people who feel alone because they're surrounded by non-HSPs and they feel alone in this and you're just not alone in it. You're not. And it's okay for you to feel that deeply. Now, how are you going to manage that? What are you going to do? But yes, you can feel um, definitely left out. Definitely left out. I think kids do growing up uh, that are raised to be non-highly sensitive. And they're highly sensitive. They're looking around going, wow, why? What is, what happened with me? What in the world? They don't realize their greatness. They don't realize they're resilient. Can you imagine how resilient highly sensitive people are that they get raised and, 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 and like basically you know, raised and taught everything to be a, as a non-highly sensitive person, but they're still highly sensitive. So they have to be in both worlds, right? Then they're experiencing some of the trauma they're experiencing even more deeply because they feel and process more deeply. They've got that. Then they have a bunch of people who, number one, don't understand them, and number two, misunderstand and think that they are weak or lazy. And then they're still 
uh, badass. There's they're still uh, going through life and, and, and being leaders and getting things done and being dependable and being kind and loving and having these great hearts and being observant and being, they're resilient. They're resi- this path that I just described, non-HSPs don't have to go through this path, but HSPs do. We are very resilient. And so I like to flip that script that when they're growing up thinking that they're not enough, they're not good enough, they, they're not like everyone. They're, they're, that's not okay. I flip that as a no, you have your own greatness. You have your own amazingness. And if you step into your healing and empowerment, you will absolutely double down on that. It'll be amazing what life will show you and what you can create and manifest. Mm-hmm. And now let me ask you, you know, I've had this conversation with people, um, even some friends and stuff around sensitivities. And um, you know, even at times being told, oh, okay, you're just too sensitive, right? Is there a fine line there? Is there? I mean, at what point are you too sensitive or not sensitive enough? Where do we? Yeah. That line. Wow. Yeah. That's a big one. That's huge. Um, You're just too sensitive. You're too sensitive. Uh, It's interesting. My answer back is you're not sensitive enough. Because you're you're too sensitive, according to who, compared to what? Mm-hmm. Um, but but then again, if somebody doesn't want to be that way, um, people who say that it's interesting because they say it for a few reasons. Number one, they say it because they don't know how to relate. That's really kind of maybe their problem. They don't know how to relate. They don't understand that person. They don't know how to relate. So they blame it on the person that's different than them. That's unfortunate. And they some of them can be educated about that, and they should be. Number two. People say that, and I've heard parents say this and caregivers, they say it because they're ashamed that they don't know how to relate to that person or deal with them or make things better or understand they don't know. So they're ashamed. So they lash out and they put that person down because they're an easy, innocent person to lash out at about it. Um, Then here's the other one. The person saying it is highly sensitive and has been raised that that's a shameful thing and it needs to be hidden if they're, they're, they're sensitivity. And so they need to act like they're not. So they're seeing this other person being that way and they're thinking, no, 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 no. You shouldn't be that way. That's wrong. You're too sensitive. They're not too sensitive. No one, I don't believe anyone is too sensitive, but I do think that it depends on how you cope, what coping mechanisms you're using. If you're using a coping mechanism that you're always the one that's done wrong, you're always the victim you can't do what everyone else can do and you've just given up and you, you know, everything's horrible for you. I don't think that's too sensitive. I think that's something that, um, is, is it's, it's a belief. It's a mindset. Um, they are coping mechanisms that are absolutely harmful and hurtful to you and you've chosen them. And, and that's unfortunate. And I hope that, that people can change that. And I've seen people do it. Then I've seen other people hold on to it. I don't think it's too sensitive. I think it's something else. Uh, so I, I either think that they, you know, and some people, they say they're too sensitive and they're doing great. And the person, the per- sensitive person can say, hey, you know what? I understand you feel that way, but I feel like you know, I'm good. Maybe you're not sensitive enough. Maybe just leave it like that. But I do think there's reasons why people say that. And I think it's often about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost like it triggers some discomfort within them when someone is expressing deep emotion or feeling, right? They oh, don't yeah. It could be scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uncomfortable. 
scary. It could shame them. There's all these things, but it's their issue. But see, the highly sensitive child doesn't know that. So they'll buy that. They'll believe it because someone's telling them that. And I'm thinking, did they do all this analysis? Did they do all this medical analysis, all this research on this? No, they didn't. They're just being put out because they can't relate to this person or they can be put out because this person's not getting on board with what they want them to get on board with or this person's acting just like them, how they felt when they were kids. So I always say, when people say these things, figure out why. What, like, even if you give yourself a few other reasons and you never find out why, you can say, well, it could be this, this, and this, and those don't have anything to do with me. So I'm not owning it. If someone tells me I'm too sensitive, I almost think it's funny at this point. <laughs> I do. I've come to that point where I'm like, yeah, and I almost feel bad for them that they're not more sensitive. Mm-hmm. That, that's the way it goes. <laughs> We're all different. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me ask you, Chris. So, um, you know, is because not everyone is dealing with their trauma. So are there highly sensitive people who are afraid of feeling because there's trauma that has not been healed or dealt with? So they're highly sensitive, but they're holding this all inside because there's some childhood trauma or whatever that hasn't been reconciled. There are. And there are very, very many. There are too many. And I was one of them. Uh, Way before, years and years before I found out about complex trauma and uh, complex trauma recovery, I did things to numb myself out. You know, I would do things to, I got addicted to sunflower seeds. I know it sounds stupid. I got addicted to sunflower seeds. The salt made me feel better, but the motion of, you know, cracking them and spitting them out or whatever, it was like really awesome to me. And I would do it for hours on end while I read. And when I was reading, I was probably dissociating because I read a lot, um, probably as an escape, but I enjoyed it. And I realized later that the vagus nerve runs through the throat and jaw. So it was really um, me soothing myself and not realizing it. And they weren't too good because there's a lot of salt and a lot of oil. Uh, I also got metabolic, um, uh, metabolic disorders. And I had a lot of problems with that. So I would eat to soothe and calm myself. I, I got bulimia because um, I wasn't hungry during the day. My nervous system said it wasn't safe to eat. And at night, I ate too much. So I had bulimia for three years, decades ago. Uh, it was horrible. No one knew. And then I also smoked uh, too many cigarettes for a while. I drank too much. Um, you know, I did all these things thinking, okay, I work hard and I play hard. And I was in the music industry. But still, I didn't know that there was trauma recovery to do. So what I was doing was self-soothing. The other thing I would do is I would take a cold glass of water or tea and hold it to my face. That was a trauma response. It was me trying to soothe myself. And I didn't know that. So I look back now, I'm like, yeah, it, it, it makes sense, the things that I did to myself. They were crappy things that were bad for me. But I thought that I was trying to do think good things, making myself feel better. So I changed a lot of those things through the years. But especially I I understood more when I found out about trauma recovery. And uh, it just, it's life changing when you realize, yeah, you don't have to keep doing stuff to numb yourself out and then do things that are hurting you that cause inflammation in the brain and the body and that you regret later. You don't, that's not, doesn't need to be your go-to anymore. And it was mine for decades. It doesn't need to be. So, um, 
There's other, there are other things you can do that are soothing and healing and all those things without being bad for you or without you regretting it later. Mm, that is a really great guidance. Mm. Now, okay, so a couple of things here, Chris. First of all, I just want to say you have been so awesome and so insightful. You've had, mm. I think people are going to have so many really great takeaways and practical guidance from all that you've shared. So I just thank you uh, so much for your wisdom and your time today. I'm so honored to have had this time with you. Thank you. I've had a great time. I love talking about it. You have great questions. <laughs> thank you so much. I just, I feel like, you know, I've had this conversation with so many people and um, I feel like it's, you know, like you say, not being shared enough and there isn't enough of this conversation happening to let highly sensitive people know it's okay. And um, yeah. And then now in closing, if there were one message, what's that message, your hope for everyone, what would that message be that you'd like to leave us with? Really just accept who you are, learn more about who you are. Like that's part of accepting who you are and do the absolute best you can with who you are instead of going the other way, instead of just re re resenting it um, or not wanting to understand it, not knowing it. Just find out who you are and accept it. There's many great things that you can do with that. Mm, oh, I love that. That was such an awesome message. You've been so amazing. Thank you so much. Had a great time. Thank you. Thank you.